This is Bucket Listening from First Horizon Bank, sharing first-hand stories from people who have found a way every day to live their bucket list. Everyone has aspirations. Often we see them as experiences for some time down the road, but we say, why wait? Welcome to Bucket Listening, where we're talking to amazing people who have found a way every day to live their bucket life. Hi, I'm your host, Tabitha Scott, and I'm so excited that you all could join us for this very special episode. On the show today, I have some amazing guests from Slim and Huskies, and their story is truly inspiring. From being childhood friends to building and selling a successful business together, then founding one of the fastest growing restaurant chains across Tennessee, Georgia, and now California. Co-founders Clint Gray, EJ Reed, and Derek Moore, or Mo, as we like to call him, are here to tell us all about their incredible journey, why giving back to their community is a cornerstone of their success, and what the future holds in store. And also joining us today is Herman Hicks, Vice President and Private Client Relationship Manager at First Horizon, who has worked closely with the guys over the years to ensure they've been able to turn their bucket list into a beautiful life for themselves and others. Clint, Mo, EJ, and Herman, welcome to Bucket Listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm so glad that you're here because I'm going to start with you, Mo. We love going to the Slim and Huskies location there in Antioch and picking our different sauces and things like that. And I got to tell you, before we get started, there's one thing that I've always wondered. Why did you name it Slim and Huskies? What's that all about? It was an inside joke between the three of us. Growing up, it was a Husky section in every department store, JCPenney, Sears, you know, Cast and Knots. They had always had this Husky section. And growing up, Clint and I were Husky kids, and we all had siblings or cousins that were slim. And then we got a friend that's slim, EJ, right? So just growing up, we just teased and talked about our experiences growing back to school shopping, going into the Husky section. The clothes wasn't as cool as the, you know, the regular slim clothes. And man, it just kind of fit. You know, we laughed about it, joked about it, got a lot of inside jokes about it. Some maybe, maybe not appropriate for this platform, but man, we just had a good time with it and kind of just parlayed that into the pizza brand, Slim Huskies. And Play on words, a little bit about us, a lot of bit about us, but more so about the pieces. You can get you a slim size or a husky pizza. You can pile it on. You can make a slim or husky if you want to and pile all the meats and cheeses on if you like. So it's just a really good blend of fun, some reality there, but it also blends with the pizza brand as well. I gotcha. Yeah, I'm all about the husky pizza. Pizza is the best. It's my favorite. So now I know the three of you all grew up together and you were talking about how you kind of joked around as kids and the rapport that you had then. And then in Nashville, you guys were college athletes as well at TSU. And I could be controversial here and ask who was the best athlete among you, but I don't want to be the reason to nix this lifelong relationship as we're getting started. But hey, I wanted to start with a time shortly after college. You began a career, Mo, as a air traffic controller and then enrolled in law school, but dropped out to start a moving company with your buddies here. 
Tell us a bit about that experience of starting and building your first business with your friends. And like, what did your folks think? My mom was really supportive of me quitting air traffic control. I actually getting fired, not because I did anything wrong on the job. I just didn't, I never came back to the job, which I would do things differently. I was 24 years old at the time. But yeah, air traffic control, quitting that, starting law school and quitting that in the process of becoming an entrepreneur. My mom was really supportive of it. Now, now my granddad and some of my other family members, not so much. Just because they came from an old school way of thinking as far as like, you know, reaching your dream, the American dream, right? It's like you go to college, you get a job, you stay at that job, you build a tenure, you know what I mean? You move up the ladder. Whereas that wasn't something that I saw for myself and my partners obviously didn't see it for them themselves either because they had really good jobs at the time that we all decided to start our first moving company. So yeah, it was a ring truck moving company. It was a great stepping stone for us. But I think some of the firings and some of the hard times that I experienced in corporate America was a catapult to me into doing what my true purpose is, which is entrepreneurship. I love that story. And Clint, I'm going to turn the table to you for a second. The three of you built this successful moving company and you scaled it, expanded it and sweated it. And then you decided to sell it. And within three months of selling it, you founded Slim and Huskies. What was that like to go directly from selling one successful business to founding another one without even a break in between to breathe? I think for us, it was actually quite enjoyable. Traded in our back braces and you know, it kind of saved some <laughs> few years on our knees because we didn't have to pick up couches and walk dressers up steps anymore. So I just like to tell people that, you know, we didn't start a moving company because we wanted to. We started a moving company because it was one of the most effective businesses we could think of. That was low cost startup and we could utilize you know, our current resources at the time, which was the three of us, not, you know, coming from a position of, you know, having a lot of startup capital. We had to be very makeshift in our dreams and figure out how we could become entrepreneurs and start towards a career of success without having a whole lot. So the moving company play for us was always just a start, jump off the porch with that. But it taught us a lot. And customer service, training, marketing, because if you're moving, more than likely, people only move, you know, once, maybe every six months. And so we had to figure out very creative ways to be able to connect with people. So EJ and I have our MBAs. Mo has several years of law school. But I tell people our real experience comes from seven years of operating a moving company, one of the most stressful industries in the world. So we were able to transition from that into something fun, something that most people love. If you don't love pizza, I don't know if I can trust you. <laughs> we were able to go from a very intense, stressful industry into something that we felt like fit more of who we are. And that's the hospitality industry. All three of us are social guys. And it wasn't just to you know, sell the business, open up a few months later, because if you look at our original Slim Huskies logo, we've got the bottom, it says established in 2015. However, we didn't open up our first doors to our first brick and mortar store until March of 2017 which means, you know, two years 
We were working on Slimming Huskies, perfecting recipes, putting the concept together full circle in the midst of still operating a moving company. And so we were prepared and ready and we were able to sell that company and take the funds and reinvest into something that we were very passionate about. And that just overall felt you know, felt great. That's awesome. And selling that moving company, I think that's a point that entrepreneurs really would find interesting is when you don't have that generational wealth to start from, you have to find creative ways to start that for the first time. Did you find that having a moving business and then selling that helped create that type of wealth that you could put into another type of business? Yes, 100%. Being able to have a business that was, you know, that was sellable allowed us to be able to create an exit strategy for ourselves. And so, you know, a lot of people, especially within our communities, haven't sold a business before. And so we read a book early on in our business called Built to Sell. And that really was a huge influence on how we approached being entrepreneurs at such a young age and knowing that at some point in time, We have to be able to leave this business, but we don't want to just leave the business high and dry. We want to be able to, for that business to help support the next venture. So that was always a strategy of ours. And we built that business with those plans in place. Thank you for that. When people meet you guys or see you for the first time, they get this impression of like, these are really cool guys. And also, once you get to know the three of you, they quickly understand just how intentional you guys are and how well thought out this plan was. And so EJ, you know, you and I have met a couple of times through various projects in Nashville. And I want to address this next question to you because growing a business can be just a huge undertaking. And what were some of the biggest lessons that you all learned along your journey? And was there anyone that was able to kind of help you with advice and figure out what the next steps were along the way. Absolutely. I think along our journey, some of the strengths that we have, I would say, was research and teamwork and our ability to kind of problem solve and really figure things out. Piggyback on what Clint was saying about the book Built to Sell, one of the key things in that book that we learned was putting processes and procedures in place, right? And, and for us, you know, we never wanted to be, you know, the types of entrepreneurs where it dictates all of our time. and We had to be there 24-7, right? So we wanted to build something that, you know, had legs that was able to be scaled and that we could basically kind of allow it to chart its course, you know, with the things that we put in place. So I would say that's probably one of the key things that really helped us be able to scale our first business venture I never forget we uh, worked with a company to kind of help us get that business sold. At the time when we sold the Green Truck Moving Company, we had nine, ten trucks, fifteen thousand square foot warehouse. You know, contracts with moves going over the road, federal contracts, and we had a manual, operating manual, a marketing manual. You know, basically everything how we run this business, we had it documented. People would come in, and various potential buyers would come in and look at it. And they would just be like, you guys a franchise where you guys out of it. It just, you know, we always wanted to, with everything we do, wanted to create a a perception that we were much larger than what we were at the time. That's kind of an approach we've taken with all of our businesses. You know, people ask how we were able to scale a restaurant at this pace. And aside from being a little bit crazy, we've packaged it well. We've trusted our team to do their jobs. And the three of us, we've always relied on each other to basically get things done. Yeah, it takes that balance of both instinct and planning and scalability. And 
you guys have got both of that, the positioning of where you're putting your restaurants and we'll get more into that in a bit, but definitely you can tell things have been thought through. Now, Herman, you do this for a living. You help companies like this get started. And what are some of the important things that you might say to someone in a similar situation that wanted to start up their dream business? Well, I think the first thing, if I'm modeling that behind Slim and Huskies, I think the first thing is value add first before you take, before you ask for people to support you. I think you got to put some value in the communities and get people to appreciate what you do. The second thing that I think is important is to have a game plan, have a strategic plan, have a business plan. And I can always say that the Slim Huskies has always had a plan, even from just the way of the reinvestment to scale. A lot of businesses can't scale because they don't reinvest not only money, but time and energy. If you're working in the business all the time, you really can't think outside the business to cover new ground. So one thing I was impressed with was the strategic planning, the business planning, the connections, and just the overall execution. And I knew I could be sort of a bridge to help as much as I can on the capital side and the investment side. So it's been an honor and it's been exciting for me to work with them and and just really see the growth on all levels. So Herman, thanks for that. I really appreciate you laying that out for us, but it's not always as easy as it sounds. I know there's a lot of complexity in dealing with a rapidly growing business. And how are you guys able to handle that? That's a great point because there are levels of complexity. And when the guys come in and they have a request, it's not always a yes on the surface. Sometimes it's a no. And so at that point, I really have to lean on my team members from Carol to Andrew to Amanda, being Jonathan, Janine, Greg, figure out how we can best create the opportunity where the bank is in a good position and our guys at Slim and Huskies are in a good position. And so it's important to have those team members, shout out to those team members. It's important to have those team members on hand to really help me figure out the best way to structure deals and create opportunities for them to grow and to prosper as business owners. I love that. And it does take a whole team. It takes a village. I wonder, EJ, Mo, and Clint, do you see parallels coming through from the strategy and the planning that you had in your athletic teams and how you had to work with a team, how you had to know what the plan is and then you know play out the plan? Do you see any parallels from your work as an athlete and your work as an entrepreneur? Yeah, in some cases, just being able to work with the team, understanding that some decisions that are made is bigger than what I may perceive as important or, or bigger than me. In order to win a game, as far as the sports is concerned, you got to not have an ego about yourself. I will parallel that into sports, but also just us as our personalities and, and how we understand how this thing has to work in order for us to succeed. You know, work as a team, constructive criticism is a must, and we got to be able to take it, being accountable and leaving the egos aside, all things needed and the successful team, whether they're sports, business, or any other team. So yeah, there are some parallels. I would think for me, myself, probably just perseverance. Like when it gets tough, football was hard. You got two a days in college and whatnot. You got to wake up at six o'clock in the morning to go work out and go to class. That in itself still lives in me for myself. That's probably the biggest parallel that I can attribute to my uh, athletic experience is just being able to persevere when it's tough, when it's hot, when it's cold, and when it's early. 
Yeah. So Mo, let me dig in a little bit deeper. You mentioned your personalities and kind of alluded to your common values and Slim and Huskies, it's more than the restaurant that you see and you order up your food. You guys have really embraced the communities in which you do business. And how have those core values that you guys have together, how has that influenced your business decision-making processes and everything from where you put your business locations to the services you offer and other decisions? I mean, the three of us, we all grew up in Nashville. EJ is originally from Ohio, but we but he grew up here, was raised in Nashville. And we have this affinity to especially the African American population in Nashville. Everything we did was especially North Nashville. Clint's dad is like, I don't know, I wouldn't call him the mayor of Jefferson Street, but he might be the mayor definitely of TSU football. You know what I'm saying? Just cause Pops was I mean, you know everybody. Like you drive up and down Jefferson Street, North Nashville, Bordeaux wherever, like, you know, great. Yeah, I know great. So, you know, so everybody knows them. Clint's relationship to North Nashville. None of us lived in North Nashville growing up. EJ and I grew up in East Nashville. Clint grew up in South Nashville. But this was the mecca of Black Nashville. And so from church to schools to uh, TSU games, parades, friends, both my grandmothers lived in North Nashville and hard in North Nashville. So EJ and I, uh, well, all three of us, Live in North Nashville now. We got we're in Bordeaux, Vista area. So it's uh, very important for us and this in us to always be a beacon of light and hope to the communities that we live in, that we're from, and that we put these restaurants in. EJ got this thing that he said his preacher told him a long time ago. If it ain't in you, it won't come out you, right? But it's in us to be who we are to our community and the communities that we serve because we understand the plight. We understand difficulties in business and finding resources and not just a hunger type of thing, but it's just tough being an entrepreneur when you don't have the background that supports it. Right. So that's just our personality to be that to our community. I love the aspect of taking communities that might be in neighborhoods that are less advantaged or even marginalized in some cases. And there's these food deserts where people can't go pop into a restaurant and get healthy foods or or foods and providing jobs and employment so that people can, you know, foster and continue to grow economically their communities. And there's a lot of complexity that's gone into the planning you guys have done. Herman, I want to pivot back to you for a second about that because on the surface, people might not see the purpose and intentionality that goes behind Slim and Husky's approach to business. And it really is unique. Talk to us about how you've seen it show up in your own interactions with these three guys. Well, I've been a uh, benefactor specifically of the grace and mercy and giving of these three gentlemen in the community. I'm affiliated with several nonprofits, affiliated with a lot of community groups, including Northwest Y, which is in on the border of Northwest Y. And every time I reach out to have these three gentlemen either be involved on a panel to provide food to high school kids or middle school kids, every time they step up, I'm able to preach firsthand. They certainly give back from where they came from and, and what they believe in, really try to see the neighborhoods in North Nashville and all over Nashville just elevate to the next level, especially African-American young kids. They, they create that beacon of light or that opportunity 
that I can be entrepreneurs like Slim and Huskies. I can be a focused business person, businessman like Slim and Huskies, because it's not so much the flashiness and the glorified things that you see on social media, but you just see all around elevation from these three gentlemen when it comes to business, community, giving back, profitability, scale, just really reaching a lot of people. And honestly, it transcends into all races and colors and creeds and ethnic backgrounds. And so you can see the Fifth and Broadway sign behind me. They're killing it downtown at Fifth and Broadway. So I just think that's important. Everything that they do say, it's not just saying, but it's also doing. And those two things line up. And that is what makes a great entrepreneur when your words and your ways and your actions all line up. Thank you so much, Herman, for that. And I couldn't agree more. That mindset that they're using in business, it's unique. It's what makes them successful. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Their customers, their communities where they're working and growing, they agree. Even James Beard, who just nominated Slim and Huskies as Outstanding Restaurateur this year. It's pretty doggone exceptional. Clint, I want to talk to you about something a little bit different that people aren't used to seeing in your average restaurant around. And this one's near and dear to my heart. My son is a glass blowing artist. He does coral restoration, purpose driven art, and is a starving artist. But in addition to the food you guys have, you're also big promoters and supporters of the arts. Could you tell me a little bit more about the work you're doing with local artists and musicians and Why is this so important to you guys? It's very important to us because going back to the thoughts of being just authentic, right? Like this is who we are. Like me personally, like I grew up with a very strong relationship with my family, my auntie. When I would get out of school, she suffered from cancer, so she she couldn't work. But she would watch the kids when we got out of school every day at my grandma's house. And we'd sit there and watch her day in, day out copy Bob Ross on TV and, you know, go stroke for stroke with him every day. And so she had her own art collection in the basement of my grandmother's house. And so, you know, I personally grew up with a love for the arts. I know EJ and Mo did as well. And then from a a music standpoint, being from Nashville, Music City, USA, music has always been something that has just been a part of our DNA. And so we have so many beautiful, great artists and musicians here in town. And I think for us, a a huge passion of wanting to be able to contribute to the music scene here started because a lot of urban music, hip hop and R&B at a national level wasn't highlighted enough from Nashville. Perception of outside looking in is exactly what is presented by the city is that this is also country music USA. And so we felt like, hey, we grew up here in the city of Nashville, kids, and we want to highlight some of the music that we grew up listening to, which is exactly the opposite of what people think about when they think of Nashville. And so we created our concept. People will come in, they hear rap music. And, you know, when I say hear rap music, I mean, we used to play it loud. Like we customers would complain about how loud the music was. And we would train our people to tell them, hey, this concept is based on how our owners grew up and they grew up 90s kids loving hip hop music. And their moms would tell them to cut it down and, you know, snatch the Walkmans off their ears because that's all they wanted to do. So, you know, we wouldn't turn the music down, you know, like that was just who we were. Neighbors would complain sometimes, but I mean, that's just who Slimmer Huskies is, pizza, art and music. And so to take it a step further, 
We've created platforms for those artists and musicians to thrive. We opened up art galleries, first gallery being adjacent to our original location called Inca Gallery. And then we also opened up one above our Memphis location for Inca Gallery Memphis. And so we allow artists to come in, do exhibits. We did some monthly series. We partnered with other organizations that highlight the arts here in town. And we've tried to keep it as community as possible, but the bigger it gets, the more outside artists want to come in and you know be a part of the platform. And then probably most notably right now is our music series, Slim and Huskies Unplugged. We're on our seventh volume. We came in, wanted to do the same thing, highlight emerging artists from Nashville and genres of hip-hop, R&B, alternative. And one of the most beautiful things we've done, I think, was this past weekend, we hosted our very first country music show highlighting Black artists within country music and really bringing diversity to the CMA Fest stage. And so I think we really made some cultural shifts this weekend with that music series, some that will last test of time. But it, this isn't just about Slim Huskies. It's about offering the same opportunities for success that we've been able to have to artists and musicians across our city and in places where uh, Slim Huskies can be located. I love that, Clint. It's just a testament to you guys not losing who you are in the process and staying true to that. And, you know, EJ, I want to come back to you for a second. It seems like everything you guys touch turns to gold. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the other products or projects that might be coming up, maybe something that you're working on strategically, or is there anything new you want to share with our listeners? So during the pandemic, we come to the realization that the world is different and you have to figure out what your pivot is. So I think December 2020, we launched a frozen pizza product and, you know, awesome product. We've been able to get a lot of great traction on it, started selling that online. So as we grow, we see that as its own segment of our business. I mean, we just you know understand that product is king, getting pizzas in customers' hands wherever they are. This continues to push the brand of Slim Husky. So that's one of the newer things that we have. We have a few openings coming up here pretty soon. We'll be opening in Nashville's airport August, September of this year. So we're super excited about that. And we've also uh, established uh, some roots on some college campuses. We're not going to announce them right here yet, but we uh, opened up at Morehouse College just a few months ago. And we have about three more that will be opening in September as well. So we're super excited about getting on those college campuses and, and creating new fans of you know young people coming from all over the country, getting introduced to Slim Husky. So uh, the world is getting younger. And, you know, this generation is indicative of if you're popular with them, then you're a popular brand. So that's our goal to infiltrate these college students and, and make them some Slim Huskies fans. Nice. I love it. And Mo, I heard this phrase and I want to know what's up with PRM. What's that stand for and how did that come about? So we got Preen, which is Pizza Rules Everything Around Me. That's a play off Cash Rules Everything Around Me. You'll see that in our stores. Progress, then it evolved to progress rules everything around me. Persistence rules everything around me. So a rules everything around me. So uh, it's just evolved. And then PRM is pure relentless manifestation. Am I right, Clint? Did I nail it? You nailed it, my brother. <laughs> so that's PRM. So we kind of shortened cream and then created PRM, which is some of the clothes that we wear. You will see it have PRM on it. And it just looks good on everybody. So we got to 
Got to sing you some, Tab. <laughs> I'm going to sport it. I just moved to Boulder, Colorado area, so oh, we got to introduce okay. them. And yeah. Now I can get the frozen pizzas. <laughs> well, you are manifesting your bucket life, and you're also helping other people manifest theirs. It's, it's pretty dang amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Herman, as a banker, what's it mean to you to have clients like the guys here who are focused not just on growing their business, but on bettering their community. I mean, it's extremely important. When I look at each individual, when I see Mo, I see Mo as the jokester because he got me one time. I think it was April Fool's Day. He got me. And I can't really (laughs) talk about what that was, but he got me. And then I see Clint as he's a wise soul. He has an aura about him of of wisdom. And and it just kind of, it's nothing rushed. Whenever I see him, he's never in a hurry. It's never urgent. It's just smooth, consistent. It just, you know, it is what it is. And then EJ, I see him as a brilliant mind. He gets into the weeds and the tediousness. I mean, you think it would be easy to give financials and then you get a loan. Well, tab in in banking and at this level, it's very tedious. And so there's a lot of things that you have to uncover and figure out. And he's always on top of it and understands the pureness about the business and and how to execute on the business side. And so it's fun working with him because you get three different personalities. It's not just always business. I see him out in the communities and different, you know, Mo is a DJ. You know, he probably didn't talk to you about that, but he... (laughs) He DJs every now and again, you know, and he's decent, you know, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. So it's fun working with him, but sometimes it's difficult on the business side because, you know, I want to be able to level the playing field for him and really get them everything they need on the banking side. And, And sometimes that doesn't always align. But I think as a bank, we try to do a good job in meeting most of those needs. And then, you know, it's this great personality. And then it's the community outreach. That's the thing, because I'm a big community outreach person as well. And so I think that's the thing that draws me in and it really helps me work hard for them. EJ, there's a lot of other companies, banks, people you could work with. Why do you choose Herman? It's all about relationships, man. Herman and I, so we met several years ago and we were actually at a, another bank and we just kept in contact. Herman was like, man, I'm like, I got to get you over here with me. We just need to sit down. And the persistence and the relationship that we formed has been awesome. And then, uh, you know, just working with First Horizon, it's just been a, a wonderful experience. Um, everyone that I've dealt with in the branches, uh, people that I'm working with now, just trying to get things done. Herman is very honest and transparent with us about, you know, the things we need to do, even things that we might need to clean up on our end and, you know, fix and make adjustments to. Herman has been very instrumental in giving us information. I think a lot of times what happens with small businesses is perception that you have good credit, go to the bank, get a loan, boom, and it's that simple. And what all of us have realized is never that simple. Nothing is that simple. Yeah, Herman has always done a great job in explaining what are the factors that we make decisions based off of. So whether it's the ratios that you need to have, we need to see debt to income at this, we need to see profitability at that. So just helping us understand. So that in turn helps with our decision-making. So we definitely feel like we've developed a long-term relationship with First Horizon. And as much as Herman loves working with us, we love working with him as well. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm curious, you guys, this is the Bucket Listening Show. And for each of you, could you give me something on your bucket list you've already checked off 
We may have already talked about it. And give me something that's still on your bucket list yet to do in this lifetime. Why don't we start with Clint? (laughs) Something on my bucket list that I've checked off is one to have kids. So I've got a daughter. Check that off. And not sure if I, you know, have more checks in that category or not, but at least I got me one, you know. (laughs) But I think for me, because we've been so into the sacrifice of like growing our business, we haven't really done a lot of vacationing or just traveling in general. Uh, We've been pretty much glued to the business for the last decade and a half. And I want to be able to get out and see the world, you know, learn about different cultures, religions, way of life. And one of my favorite shows was the parts unknown on CNN. And I love the idea of like learning culture through food. And so I want to continue to see the world. I think that's the one I'm going to check off. That's awesome. EJ, how about you? I say something on my bucket list that I checked off. It's interesting that, you know, me and Mo and Clint had these conversations about being entrepreneurs in college, right? So when we were seniors in college, had always talked about it, just reading books and different things. And when we sold our first business, I would definitely say that was one of my bucket list checks. Like, okay, this is possible. We can really do this. And it really sparked our drive a lot more in terms of entrepreneurship. So I would say that maybe my bucket list item that I did check off, something that is on my bucket list, I'm going to go skydiving one day, man. Maybe maybe on one of these birthdays, I'm going to... I'm gonna go skydiving. I'm gonna make Clint and Mo. Yeah, he's gonna do it. He's he's not jumping out of a plane. I'm gonna jump out the plane. Come on now. Yeah, it's just yeah. Go on down to your Chattanooga branch. There's a good skydiving place right down there. We took Artist's son on his 21st birthday. It was fun. If I could do it, you could do it. Okay, there it is. We're gonna we're gonna lock it lock it in. The three of us. And Herman, too. That's right. Please push him out first. (laughs) I'm saying it with love, Herman. I just want you to experience it first. I felt the heat, though, Tab. I felt the heat on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Herman, what about you? Any bucket list items that you've already checked off and one you still want to do? One thing in my bucket list was to do the things that I'm doing now, was to start a nonprofit that focuses on financial and wealth literacy. So everything I've learned through these 20 years, and I give it back to high school students. And so I just try to provide, and and these three gentlemen have helped me do that. They've been right there to provide knowledge and pizza to the students that I work with. And then I think something that I would like to do. So young people, the reason why I listen to young people is they have been able to think freely. They have a more free mind when it comes to African-American children have a more free mind when it comes to thinking. And so I listen to young people and I want to learn from them because they think freely. But at the same time, I have to also teach them about what it took for him to get the freedom that that makes. So he's flipping cars right now and he wants to get into real estate. And so a bucket list of mine is to really kind of catalyst him into real estate at a level to where he can have a dealership and own the dealership or something like that. That's awesome. So he's thinking way bigger than I ever was at his age. So that's something that that would be fun to do. That's awesome, Herman. Thank you. Mo, what's up with you? In my bucket list, what I checked off when I, in 2016, 2017, my first home growing up, I didn't understand 
value in owning your home. And just because it wasn't something I experienced, I grew up in apartments for you know most of my life. My grandma and granddad owned their house, but there wasn't like a thing that was like taught about wealth building in the community. So we did that 2017. We sold the first business. We immediately purchased our home. So that was a bucket list that I checked off. One that I would like to check off is probably get really, really good at it in the instrument. So as time continues to, to allow itself, I met uh, my daughter and I, We before COVID, we were taking acoustic guitar lessons together. And then COVID happened and we just had to, you know, everything went Zoom and everything else. So, and that was hard to do, but, you know, jumping back in that and just getting efficient in the instrument was a guitar piano or something. That's something that I really want to do. Thanks for that, Mo. It's uh, really interesting how you're continuing to grow yourself over time with that ambition around the music and the instruments. And I'm wondering what is your best advice to anyone looking to find their secret sauce to success and live out a bucket life that's full of purpose and passion? You know, I would give the whole feel about sacrifice and you know, falling in love with the sacrifice of the business and whatnot, but change it today and just say, kind of sometimes just sit still, listen to yourself, listen to the things that's around you. Well, I think it's in us to recognize some of the faults or flaws that we have, but also to recognize our gifts. And sometimes the way to get to that and recognize that is just kind of sit still sometimes, do some reflection. Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? It's really, <laughs> it's hard to sit still when you're used to moving 100 miles an hour all the time. And EJ, let's flip the script a little bit here. And we've been talking about a lot of opportunities, but I want to ask you, what was one of the biggest obstacles that you faced in living this bucketless life? Several obstacles. And aside from the obvious capital, we won't dive into that, but just like None of us grew up, well, Clint's father was an entrepreneur, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of great examples of running a business, scaling a business and making it flow. So it was just a, a huge learning curve in everything we did. So we went from working in corporate America. I worked in, in finance to starting a moving company. I had never done a move for a company. I never worked for a moving company. So I, I remember our first job, we get out there right after this big flood that Nashville had and we get out to the job. We're just so excited to have our first moving job that we didn't have any supplies. <laughs> right. So we get out there without straps and everything needed to kind of lock the truck down. We just get out there with the truck in our bodies. Right. So we ended up having a run over to the U-Haul, get supplies. So, you know, just a learning curve. And then the same thing with the restaurant industry. None of us had ever worked in restaurants. All of us think we're best chef in the world, but none of us are classically trained chefs or, you know, have had that much culinary experience. We just felt like we knew it tasted good and we could design nice spaces, right? So um, just, just that, that learning curve, trying new things and figuring out how to scale that thing was uh, probably one of the early obstacles, but just through teamwork, through, you know, as most talk about perseverance, strategic thinking and finding great partners like Herman, you know, we were able to kind of navigate our ways through the obstacle of new things, new challenges, and, and just really kind of jumping off the porch and, and trying something that you have no experience in. Yeah, that takes a lot of guts to just jump off and do it. And that's that's what separates entrepreneurs from the people that want to be entrepreneurs is jumping off and taking that risk. 
Clint, I want to go back to your dad being an entrepreneur and some of the influences in your life. What is the best piece of advice you were given? I think the best piece of advice I was given from my father was, first thing was he told me in high school, he was like, man, you know, your friends, you know, you're very close with your friends now. He was like, but the friends that you're going to be the closest to are going to be the ones you meet in college. And so, you know, he saw kind of different directions that my friends and I were going in. And that was like his lesson on like, hey, it's time for you to start kind of, you know, letting them do their own thing. And, you know, you moving in your own lane because the future's ahead of you. Second thing, it seems very small, but my, my, my dad is a very detailed person. He loves the finished product of things. His business was landscaping and janitorial. So, you know, he'd always had me with him, too. So I didn't do a lot of like riding around the neighborhood with my friends on bikes. Like I was always in a truck, on a tractor. After school, I'd be cleaning, you know, after practice at school and then football practice or baseball practice or wrestling practice. And after that, I had a bundle of keys in high school to go straight to start cleaning buildings afterwards, right? So like I was like an apprentice, just some young entrepreneurship learning. But, you know, he would always say, especially when I started cleaning my own buildings, he was like, hey, before you leave here, you step back and you look at everything in its final product and make sure you didn't miss a spot. You know, with our business and like as we're building these spaces out or as we're training our team members or like testing new products out, it's like it's always a huge emphasis on making sure the final product is where it's supposed to be. And that we're not, you know, mediocre in our developments or our plans. And so Small advice, but, you know, it it goes very far. I think that's sage advice that anybody could learn from themselves. And well, thank you guys for being with us today as a guest. We have really enjoyed learning more about you and your restaurant and how you're serving communities and doing things. I think it's about lunchtime. So as we part, what is your favorite pizza at Slim and Husky's? So we just dropped the buffalo chicken, buffalo shrimp pizza. It's a must-have. So everyone listening, please go check out the Slimmer Huskies brand new. I think we just dropped it today, right? Or Sunday, right? We just dropped it. Wow. Today, yeah. So today we're dropping it. It's an awesome product. You'll love it. Clint and Chef Jay were in the lab, and they cooked up a, a great pizza with that one. So buffalo chicken and buffalo shrimp. Man, that sounds amazing. Mine is probably, uh, I think it's our best kept secret. It's not a secret anymore, but the Fiesta pizza. That's how I spend on Mexican pizza. So it's good. Awesome. Clint? I like, you know, a classic Supreme pizza, but we have one called the Prime, but it's our white sauce with a pepperoni, a sausage, and I like to add a little green pepper on there, red onions, mushrooms. And then the most important thing is, we also today introduced our made without gluten pizza. So now those that, you know, whether it's for summertime, you know, getting in shape or just trying to be have a healthier lifestyle or, you know, if it's something that's really dietary restrictive for you, like we have a crust without gluten. So you can come get Slimmer Huskies and be healthy at the same time. I love it. I love it. And with that, I want to say a big thank you to Clint, EJ, Mo, and Herman for joining us on the show today and sharing their inspirational story and amazing perspective on life. And thanks to all of you for listening to our conversation. I hope you enjoyed hearing from the guys. 
from Slim and Huskies as much as I loved speaking with them today. And if you did like the show, be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. This has been Bucket Listening presented by First Horizon Bank. I'm Tabitha Scott, and I'll see you again soon.